the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. As we turn our attention to the proclaiming of Scripture, let us pray. God of all glory, by the wisdom of your word and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, let the same mind be in us that is in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now a reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. Listen for the word. If you witness the poor being oppressed or the violation of what is just and right in some territory, don't be surprised because a high official watches over another, and yet others stand over them. But the land's yield should be for everyone if your field is cultivated. The money lover isn't satisfied with money, neither is the lover of wealth satisfied with income. This too is pointless. When good things flow, so do those who consume them. But what do owners benefit from such goods except to feast their eyes upon them? Sweet is this worker's sleep, whether there's a lot or a little to eat, but the excess of the wealthy won't let them sleep. I have, I have seen a sickening tragedy under the sun. People hoard their wealth to their own determinant. Then that wealth is lost, and that that is essential, so that when they have children, they are left with nothing. Just as they came from their mother's womb naked, naked they'll return, ending up just like they started. All their hard work produces nothing, nothing they can take with them. This too is a sickening tragedy. They must pass, they must pass on just as they arrived. When do they gain from working so hard for wind? What's more, they constantly eat in darkness, with much aggravation, grief, and anger. This is one good thing I've seen. It's appropriate for people to eat, drink, and find enjoyment in all of their hard work under the sun during the brief lifetime that God gives them, because that's their lot in life. Also, Whenever God gives people wealth and riches and enables them to enjoy it, to accept their place in the world, and to find pleasure in their hard work, all this is God's gift. Indeed, people shouldn't prove too much over the days of their lives because God gives an answer in their heart's joy. The word of Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Listen, God is still speaking. When a crowd of thousands upon thousands had gathered so that they were crushing each other, Jesus began to speak. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, 
Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus said to him, Friend, who appointed me as judge or referee between you and your brother? Then Jesus said to them, Watch out. Guard yourself against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life isn't determined by one's possessions, even when someone is very wealthy. Then he told them a parable. A certain rich man's land produced a bountiful crop. He said to himself, What will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he thought, Here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's where I'll store all of my grain and goods. I'll say to myself, Self, you have stored up plenty of goods, enough for several years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, Fool, you will die tonight. Now who will get the things you have prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and aren't rich toward God. The word of the Lord. Thank you, God. Imagine the best fried chicken you have ever eaten. Vegetarians, imagine that fried chicken doesn't make you queasy. All right, do you have your mental image of the best fried chicken? Perhaps you can smell it, even taste it. Now humor me and continue this journey of imagination. Does that fried chicken taste even better when coated with caviar? Now I've never tried caviar, but Stephen, Andrew, and Adam from the web series Worth It have on fried chicken even, and they didn't think it tasted all that bad. In each Worth It video, our young protagonists travel around the world to try the same food at three different restaurants, each at three drastically different price points, to find out which one was the most worth it. For example, they compare a $2 slice of pizza to a $2,000 pizza covered in gold and a $1 ice cream cone to a $1,000 ice cream sundae garnished with gold, and a $1 bagel to a $1,000 bagel spread with, what else? Gold-infused cream cheese. A lot of gold. And caviar. You can probably guess that the high-end meal sprinkled with gold shavings is never the winner. To no one's surprise, a pizza with squid ink dough topped with foie gras, stilton cheese, black truffles, and caviar, of course, doesn't taste very good. If each flavor has merit on its own, but together they're overwhelming and they don't make sense. 
the only thing that they have in common is that they're all really expensive. Is it worth it? Not so much. If only the rich barn builder had had YouTube to gain this wisdom from Stephen, Andrew, and Adam. Then again, he did have Ecclesiastes, the second most depressing book in the Bible. First place in that category goes to Lamentations. The teacher says, just as they came from their mother's womb naked, naked they'll return, ending up just like they started. All their hard work produces nothing, nothing they can take with them. The rich barn builder might have forgotten what was really worthwhile in life, but we haven't. Nope, we know that God is God, that stuff is just stuff, and that we can't serve both God and money. We've heard it all before. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. And a widow's two small coins is the greatest offering. We've got it. No need to beat a dead horse. So let's just go home early, sell all of our possessions, and give the proceeds to the poor. Done. Treasures in heaven, rich towards God. Any questions? Well, I can think of one. Why doesn't Jesus say anything about that brother's inheritance? It's odd when you think about it. So much of our understanding of God and money boils down to do's and don'ts. Do share what you have. Don't take more than what you need. Do give to people who are hungry or hard up. Don't be stingy. But Jesus refuses in this instance to reinforce that kind of understanding. He could have given some do's and don'ts, but he doesn't. In the last analysis, no religion is about following a list of rules. For Jesus and his followers, for the teacher of Ecclesiastes, and for us, religion is about relationship. So let's take another look at the story that Jesus told and view it through the lens of relationship, not rules. I suspect that we'll see something there that will refresh how we connect faith and money. Jesus said, a certain rich man's land produced a bountiful crop. Good for him. Just enough rain and sun, proper treatment of the soil, and care for the growing grain, all of these are blessings. Jesus doesn't mention who worked the land. Maybe it was the man himself. But if he's a rich man, he might have employed workers. So, so far, we don't have a sense of relationship. All of this blessing from God, but there's one problem. What will I do with all of it? I mean, the rich man, he doesn't ask his 
friends, he doesn't ask his family, he talks to himself. Okay, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's where I'll store all of my grain. And I'll say to myself, Self, you have stored up plenty of goods, enough for several years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Did you hear? I, I, I. Self, self, self. There is no relationship this man has beyond himself. There's no thought to pay his workers extra from the bounty. There's no concern for folks who don't know where their next meal will come from. There's no acknowledgement of God, the source of this rich blessing who spoke quite clearly in the Torah about how these blessings should be passed around. For instance, in Leviticus, we find when you harvest your land's produce, you must not harvest all the way to the edge of your field. And don't gather up every remaining bit of your harvest. Also, do not pick your vineyard clean, or gather up all the grapes that have fallen there. Leave these items for the poor and the immigrant. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord. The Torah repeats this again and again. I am the Lord, the God who brought you out of Egypt. I am the God who not only freed you from slavery, but freed you for living in a new kind of community. I am the Lord, your God, who loves you and seeks you out and wants you to love and seek me out. Here is Leviticus again. You must be holy, because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Behind the rules, here is the relationship. Oh, barn builder, how could you forget that you are connected to God? and through God to other members of the community. But tonight, God will pop that self-enclosed bubble. No amount of wealth can separate anyone from the cycle of life and death. The rich barn builder, like us, is a creature in an interconnected creation. I wish he had realized that sooner. He missed out on the good life. I worry about that. For all of us, for society, for myself, I worry that we have forgotten how to seek the good life. I worry that we've settled for the same kind of life described by the teacher in Ecclesiastes, a life marked by apathy, anxiety, and isolation. Apathy. As in, don't be surprised if high officials cover for each other when they mistreat the poor 
and they pervert justice. Apathy, as in the bounty of the harvest, should be for everyone, but get used to the fact that life isn't fair. Anxiety, as in losing sleep over how the NASDAQ is doing. Anxiety, as in we lost everything in that bad investment. So now what? Anxiety, telling you that you will never be enough. And of course, isolation. For the phrase that the teacher uses for people who hoard their wealth, they constantly eat in darkness. It's like the inverse of eat, drink, and be merry that we find in Ecclesiastes. Probably because there's no enjoyment in it. There's only aggravation, grief, and anger. These days, people in every tax bracket are eating in darkness. Just type the words loneliness epidemic into your search engine. Learn how increased isolation, increased loneliness is having severe effects on our mental, our spiritual, our physical health. Apathy. Anxiety, isolation, these are not the marks of the good life, the life for which we all were created. Friends, the Lord who freed our ancestors from slavery has said, You are my people, and I am your God. Salvation from this kind of emptiness and loneliness is our birthright. So no, Jesus didn't step into the dispute between family inheritance. He didn't give folks a list of do's and don'ts. Instead, he told a story that reveals the true poverty of the disconnected life. But his story is only an extension of what he was teaching before someone in the crowd interrupted him. Earlier, he said, I tell you, my friends, don't be terrified by those who can kill the body, but after that can do nothing more. If you're going to fear anyone, fear God for whom death imposes no such limit. Yet, Jesus continues, Aren't five sparrows sold for two small coins? Yet not one of them is overlooked by God. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You are. You are worth more than many sparrows. You are worthy of love and care. You are worthy of the good life. God knows every hair on your head, not because God is some cosmic accountant, but because you are precious in the eyes of your Creator. And if you are worthy, and the person sitting right next to you is too, 
If you are worthy, then so is the brother that won't divide the inheritance. If you are worthy, then so are the people working in your fields. When Jesus' message of God's love and care touches our core, touches our very being, then we won't be dreaming of bigger barns. We'll be building a bigger table to pass God's gifts around. In 2003, Alan Graham began spending nights on the streets of Austin, Texas, making relationships with the city's chronically homeless population. For years, Graham had been feeding people out of a pickup truck with four friends from his church called Mobile Loaves and Fishes. But he knew that something better was possible. So he started asking homeless folks, what do you really want? What do you desire? Again and again, he heard the same answer, community. Five years later, Graham, also a real estate developer, opened Community First Village on 51 acres of land, just 25 minutes outside downtown Austin. It's a collection of tiny homes, RVs, and shared spaces. The name says it all. First and foremost, this housing project is about a sense of belonging building connections between people. As Graham likes to say, housing will never cure homelessness, but community will. Just look at Richard DeVore. When he first arrived, Richard mostly kept to himself. Like a lot of new residents, years of living on the streets had bred distrust of others. But today, he manages the community greenhouse, he works at the farmer's market every other weekend, and he serves on the community council, representing the 25 people who live in the tiny houses in his neighborhood. Richard goes door to door every couple weeks to make sure that he's connecting with all of his neighbors. I feel like that really helps me stay stable, he said. Most of all, I love the fact that I'm supposed to be here. After 13 years of being homeless, I can relax and belong here. God's healing grace moves through community first. And every community where people say to each other and themselves, you are worthy of love. In such a community, Passion and compassion conquer apathy. Trust overcomes despair. An authentic connection draws people out of isolation. In true community, money doesn't clog up the heart, but circulates through the whole body, encouraging every member of the whole grow and move. This is the good life, the life for which we were created. Now, if there's any community that can recognize the gift of grace, it's the church. And so, people of God, I have a challenge for you. 
pursue the good life, the gospel life, here in Mexico. Our neighbors have plenty of do's and don'ts to worry about, but not necessarily a place to relax and belong. Our neighbors are eating in dark loneliness, and they need a place to eat, drink, and enjoy God's bountiful gifts in the light. Our neighbors are precious in God's eyes, worth far more than many sparrows, and they deserve to feel like they belong, no matter their income or their employment. And so I challenge you, pursue this kind of beloved community and build it up. I'll be honest, I don't expect us to build up this community in this sanctuary, worship service by worship service. This kind of community usually happens outside Sunday mornings, sometimes not even in a church building. It won't be easy, but oh, it will be so worth it, because the good of life is fueled by God's own grace, simple yet profound grace, unearned yet freely given grace. God pours out grace upon grace in our lives. And so let us give all glory and gratitude to one in three, the three in one, God most mighty, most merciful, most wise.